Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. Dolphins and welcome into the Tuesday, February the 26th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we're going to explore Miami's many draft day options. Trade up, trade down, stay put. What will they do? We'll discuss Daniel Jeremiah's appearance on the Audible with Kim Bocamper. We'll get you guys the prospect of the day and talk about the biggest downgrades in the history of the Dolphins, but also in the history of the universe. All of that and much, much more. But first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts from. Go ahead and subscribe to us. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. That's how the podcast grows and gets out to more Dolphins. And if we're not growing, we are dying. And if we die, we can't do it anymore. So please, please, please tell a friend about the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Also, follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins and check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We are cruising right now at an altitude with regular readers every single day, so we really appreciate all you guys for that. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts. And since it's draft season, we'll go ahead and promote those podcasts, the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast and the Draft Dudes Podcast, both part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And you guys, remember me bitching about the weather all last week and how I was snowed in for a couple of days? Well, that storm is back and class got canceled this afternoon for me at Washington State University. I could have some more free time down this week. And if I do, that's going to mean a lot of film study at the house. So I'm kind of hoping I do and maybe you guys do too. But as for now, I'm stuck inside doing the podcast. And with that, let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. So the first time I listened to this Audible podcast with Kim Bo Camper, I think it's an association with the Miami Dolphins. I'm not entirely sure, but this was the first time that I had listened to it, and it'll probably be the last unless they get more guests on because it's really strange to me the disconnect that the media within the Dolphins, or the national media for that matter too, has with what this team might be doing going forward. As I've presented to you guys, the amount of defensive back usage or the needs for specific situations or positions on the field. For instance, like a pass rusher, the Patriots and that defense that Brian Flores is going to bring to Miami does not rely on the big-time one-on-one edge rusher that can win time and time again. Yeah, they'll draft a guy and try to get one that can fit that mold if they can, but they're not going to place a high priority on it. And in the show, Kim Bocamper was talking about how a defensive edge is the number two need behind a quarterback, and I just don't agree with that because of the defensive scheme. Nonetheless, they did have Daniel Jeremiah on the show, who has very deservedly been promoted to the top draft analyst at NFL Network because of the departure of Mike Mayock taking the job with the Oakland Raiders. And Jeremiah did the audible with Bo Camper, and he made a few comments that I thought were worth touching on here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And Jeremiah made three comments that I thought were interesting, but also 
a little more encouraging from a national guy than what we've come accustomed to being Dolphins fans to continuously get shit on by all the national media. And up first, he talked about the building blocks on the team. Bo Camper talked about Xavier Howard being a pro bowler and how Laramie Tunzel probably should have been one. And Jeremiah agreed vehemently with that statement saying that Tunzel was his number one player on the board back in that 2016 draft class. He also said that Xavier Howard, for him, had the highest ceiling of any cornerback in that 2016 draft class, which is pretty impressive when you consider Jalen Ramsey was in that draft class, and that's working out for the Dolphins now. And lastly, a note on Minka Fitzpatrick, and this is kind of more general than just Minka, but he tied it back into Fitzpatrick in that any good defense you see in the National Football League is always going to be fast. And this is kind of something he's been harping on and I've been harping on, and I think the league has shown a a propensity to go in this direction. You got to be fast on defense to deal with all these cheetah type offenses we have in the NFL. And Minka ran a sub four, five forty. He talked about the fact that he's fast, he's competitive and versatile. And he said, you get those three things in a combination. It's going to be tough for that player to not find a way to work out and be a good part of your football team. And I guess to add a fourth point to this three-point stance I want to take here on this Daniel Jeremiah interview on the Audible with Kim Camper was discussing the difference between Flores having a scouting background and then becoming a coach later on because a lot of times coaches' influences in the draft room is going to be towards a guy who is already signed, sealed, and delivered and developed fully to his full potential like a Blue Blood program player like a Minka Fitzpatrick, like a Jerome Baker, Raekwon McMillan, the Alabamas, Ohio State's, the big-time programs that develop guys with elite-level coaching at those schools. And coaches will push for those guys because their entire moniker or idea or plan or strategy is to get through the next year. They want to survive and get to the next season and keep their job, whereas guys that have the scouting backgrounds might be more adverse to going with a player that has more potential but hasn't fully realized that yet. So I think there's a good marriage there between Chris Greer and Brian Flores that has more of the long-term vision approach opposed to Mike Tannenbaum and feeling holes and drafting guys that can play right away. So I like that line of thinking. The second point was the idea between dropping a quarterback onto the roster after you've built it up or starting first with the quarterback as Bo Camper continued to say that without a top 10 quarterback, you're SOL in this league. And frankly... He's right in saying that. I know a lot of people on Twitter have contended that you can't just put a quarterback on this team and make them good, and that might be the case. You might not be a great team yet, but there is no quicker path to improvement than improving the quarterback situation on your team. He talked about how the Seahawks kind of went the reverse way with Russell Wilson in building up that defense with Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman, Bobby Wagner, all the usual names we know about. And then you put Russell Wilson in there, and that's a good idea in theory. But again, it all comes back to me. If you can identify the quarterback and you can get him, you should do it. And don't worry about the timing of the situation because the quarterback should always be number one. And that was the second point. And the number three point kind of piggybacks off that. He was talking about how a quarterback that you have on the roster, like a Baker Mayfield, like a Russell Wilson, is going to elevate those building blocks and make them well more well-known. And I reference it to... Queen, the rock band, the classical rock band, the legendary rock band with a legendary frontman because the guitarist, Brian May, would anybody know who Brian May is if it was not for Freddie Mercury? I mean, yeah, Brian May is an excellent guitar player, 
But without Freddie Mercury, nobody knows who Brian May is, just in the way no one's going to know about Laramie Tunzel, Xavier Howard, or Minka Fitzpatrick until we get a Kyler Murray, Tua Tungavailoa, Trevor Lawrence, whoever it might be. Once you get that quarterback, those names all of a sudden become good players that Dolphins fans know about to elite players that everybody in the country, as far as NFL fans, knows about. So the idea is that quarterback is number one. It always should be number one. If you can find a way to get that quarterback, you do it. Everything else is secondary until you find that position. But at the same time, you can also be patient and trying to wait for the right guy because taking a Drew Locke or a Daniel Jones just because he's a quarterback, that's not good either. So it's a very delicate dance, but it all comes back to the same idea. Quarterback is number one. Okay, next on the podcast here, we're going to get into my column up on LockedOnDolphins.com. It is titled Trade Up, Stay Put, or Trade Down, Miami's Many Draft Day Options. And before we do that, we're going to discuss Gabe Harai, our staff writer's mock draft, which you can also find up on LockedOnDolphins.com. He did two of them. I'm going to share one of them with you guys here. If you want to check out his other mock draft, one involves a quarterback, one does not. You guys can go find that on LockedOnDolphins.com. His quarterback draft was like this. And it came from the Draft Network's new draft model simulator, which is fantastic. Go check that out if you have not done so. But Gabe goes with the first round, 13th pick, Ed Oliver out of Houston. Love that selection. Second round, pick 48, Drew Locke, the quarterback out of Missouri. We'll see how I feel about that. Number three, pick 78, Jalen Ferguson, the defensive end from Louisiana Tech, the player that was disinvited from the combine, rather a little bit unceremoniously there. In the fourth round, offensive guard from Charlotte, Nate Davis. In the fifth round, David Sills, the fifth wide receiver from West Virginia. I love that spot for him there. In the sixth round, Savion Smith, the cornerback out of Alabama. And then in round seven, a great spot here for the linebacker, Terrell Hanks out of New Mexico State. So you guys can find that mock draft, plus his non-quarterback mock draft, as well as my article up on LockedOnDolphins.com. But we'll discuss that next here on the podcast. You can find me on Twitter, at NFL and the show at LockedOnFins. Told you guys the Queen stuff was not going to stop anytime soon as I continue to make references towards Freddie Mercury and towards Queen. I'm going to play these beautiful songs on the podcast as much as I possibly can because frankly, I am obsessed with Queen right now. And we'll get into a segment in the third and final segment talking about the biggest downgrades in team history, but also in the history of the universe in general. And this idea was born from a tweet that I had saying that going from Adam Lambert or going from Freddie Mercury rather to Adam Lambert for the Queen frontman was the biggest downgrade in the history of the world. So I figure I gotta have some Queen on the podcast today. So we'll play that in the intros into the segments and close this thing out that way. Let's go ahead and get back to the football talk here and talk about this article up on LockedOnDolphins.com written by yours truly, of course, and Basically, what I was looking at was the number of options the Dolphins have come draft day, whether it's go up, go down, or stay put, and really the options within those options, the sub-options, if you will, to approach this draft and to get this football team fixed and going in the right direction and get this team back in consistent playoff contention the way they were in the 90s and the 80s under Dan Marino and Don Shula's watch, rather. 
And before I dive into the specifics of those options, I want to go ahead and run some things by you guys real quick. And it goes back to the column on Sunday that I wrote about how the Patriots have certain ways to kind of finagle the system or play within the rules. Not always within the rules, but most of the time within the rules and loopholes within those rules to make themselves what they have been, the greatest dynasty the NFL has ever known and will ever know in our lifetimes. And one of the traits I love about that whole philosophy is that they are amenable to different situations or unique circumstances. And a unique circumstance would be going up to get a quarterback like Kyler Murray because he himself is unique and the Patriots really don't trade up and give away valuable resources down the draft board to go up for any one player. And that's something I believe Chris Greer will really adhere to in Miami. But again, Kyler Murray is the unique exception to that rule. So we'll see if they take that particular route. But also it applies to the offensive line and the secondary as well because those are two big-time positions of need for this Dolphins team. And frankly, the Patriots, they don't really draft those positions high either. The defensive backs, I think Patrick Chung is a second-round pick, was probably one of the highest guys that really sticks around on that football team. They've had two good starters in J.C. Jackson and Malcolm Butler that were undrafted guys. They did, though, spend big-time money on Stephon Gilmore and Darrell Rivas. But then, again, this amenable situation on the offensive line, they typically don't do it. Shaq Mason, Joe Thune, David Andrews, these guys are not high draft picks. Yet, last year, they went ahead and spent their first-round pick on Isaiah Wynn, and then come back with Sony Michelle later in that round too. So an offensive lineman and a running back, two trends that really are not popular either in New England or in the NFL in general, and they went out and found those guys. And Wynn, of course, missed the entire season, but Michelle was a big factor on their Super Bowl run. So with that, I want to discuss the different options the Dolphins will have. And as always, you can find this written in more detail up on LockedOnDolphins.com. And like I talked about, the first option going up requires getting Kyler Murray. And there's no other reason to do it other than that. It's probably going to cost the Dolphins their second round pick this year, a future one, maybe Xavier Howard, probably even more than that. Who knows? But like I said, I believe so firmly in this player and this guy turning the franchise around just on a dime in a hurry that I would give anything it takes to go get him because for me, he's the best quarterback prospect being available in the next two or three drafts outside of Trevor Lawrence. So for my money, I would do whatever it takes to go get him. That is option number one. Now, option number two and the most likely because frankly, if you don't have a prospect on the board when you pick that is really pressing or a guy at a position that is maybe a big gap in the talent between the number one guy and the next guy below him, it's hard to find a trade down partner. You have to find someone like the Saints last year who needed the pass rusher who came up to get Marcus Davenport from the Green Bay Packers. So staying put is the most likely option. And I think you have some options here, whether it's go after the defensive line or go into the secondary. And option number one with the defensive line would look like this. You go Ed Oliver or Rashawn Gary out of Houston or Michigan. And then in the second round, you attack that secondary. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Jonathan Abram, Nasir Adderley. You find that center field safety or that matchup safety that can make this defense click. 
And then you come back in the third round and maybe focus on the offensive line this time with an Elgin Jenkins, a Ben Powers, a Michael Dieter, Mississippi State, Oklahoma, or Wisconsin, respectively. I did not add my cornerbacks into that first or the second round draft pick, rather. Rocky Sin out of Temple. I love his game. Julian Love out of Notre Dame. Those are a couple of guys that could be draft picks at 48 in this scenario as well. And option two of the stay put scenario is to go after defensive back first. That would be DeAndre Baker, Greedy Williams, or Byron Murphy. And then you come back at 48 and you can address the safety spot here again. The same picks. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Jonathan Abram, Nasir Adderley. And then in the third round, you can go offensive line or defensive line. I chose to put the D-line group here. Charles Amenahu, the D-end out of Texas. Chase Winovich, the try-hard defensive end from Michigan. Zach Allen, kind of that same mold out of Boston College. Or maybe a DeAndre Walker out of Georgia. So that's the most likely option. And those are some scenarios you guys can play around with. And then there's the trade-down option, which I went to take this as an opportunity to either rebuild the offensive line or to really gear the secondary towards what Brian Flores needs. But since we already addressed the secondary in that second option, I'll go ahead and give you the beefy option here. And the trade-back includes acquiring an additional second-round draft pick and falling down somewhere between the 20th and 25th pick in the draft going back from 13 and picking up the additional second rounder in the process. So in that scenario, I would take Garrett Bradbury, the center out of North Carolina State, maybe the offensive guard from Boston College, Chris Lindstrom, maybe the tackle slash guard slash center, Dalton Reisner out of Kansas State. And now that I've rebuilt one of those positions on the offensive line with a surefire starter, I'm going to get back to what I've been obviously pushing the entire time and insert that group of safeties and cornerbacks right into the 48th pick. You guys know who they are, Gardner Johnson, Abram, and Adderley. And then you go back to the second round draft pick that was acquired via the trade down. And I'm going to look back to the offensive line here again and really rebuild this thing with another center, possibly Eric McCoy out of Texas A&M, Elston Jenkins out of Mississippi State. The guard from Wisconsin, Michael Dieter. So really getting this offensive line beefed up. If the Dolphins want to trade back and find two starters on the offensive line like the Colts did, I think they'll have the option to do that in this draft if they can execute that trade down. And then you go back to the third round and maybe we go back to the interior defensive line here with defensive linemen like LJ Collier out of TCU, Dalen Mack out of Texas A&M, Kalen Sanders out of Western Illinois. The options are endless and the Dolphins can really set things on the right foot if they get this thing right. Again, if you guys want to read more about this up on LockedOnDolphins.com, it is titled Trade Up, Stay Put, or Trade Down. And next on the podcast here, we're going to have the prospect of the day and your guys' responses to the biggest downgrades in team history and also the history of the world. We'll get to that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. Prospect of the daytime here on the third segment of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're going to do this for you guys every day up until the draft where I have players that I have scouted and taken a look at, but also read some of their reports and share some of their videos from other draft experts 
preferably at the Draft Network. And this one is a favorite of John Ledyard, who I hope to get on the show here in a couple of weeks as I will take a vacation in the first week of April for my wedding and honeymoon. I'll be gone for an entire week, but I plan to pre-record all those podcasts, hopefully with John Ledyard, to talk about prospects and the draft so you guys don't miss a day on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. But one of John's favorites is the center out of Texas A&M, interior offensive lineman Eric McCoy. He tweeted about him showing some videos about some of his athleticism, but also the ability to win with his hands initially and recenter his man, reposition his man, and win with his hands. And he clears out guys like Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence. Just showed some really good reps. Had a great rep against Quinn and Williams that I retweeted up on my timeline. You guys can check out both those videos at Wingfield NFL. But McCoy is just a real sturdy interior offensive line prospect and a guy that I think might be more inclined to be in Miami's crosshairs as they search to repair this offensive line in the mid-rounds. And I know that's going to give Dolphins fans a bit of PTSD because how many offensive linemen drafted in the middle rounds did not work out for this team? I mean, basically all of them. The only good players they had on the offensive line over the last several years were high draft picks. Jawan James, Jake Long, Mike Pouncey. I mean, whoever they had come in was either a high-priced free agent like a Josh Sitton or a high draft pick. And then you have Billy Turner, Dallas Thomas, Sean Murphy, all these several players, Isaac Asiata. The list just goes on and on and on of guys that did not work out at the position. But the idea is, the hope is that they can find these guys in rounds three, four, and five and develop them to be starters, maybe not in year one, but by year two, have them be viable options on the offensive line for this team. Something that would be a huge change, a huge shift in the way business is done in Miami. So Eric McCoy, the center out of Texas A&M, is your prospect of the day. And with that, Let's go ahead and jump into some user-generated content from you guys. If you didn't see the tweet on Sunday night talking about the downgrade going from Freddie Mercury as frontman of Queen to Adam freaking Lambert on the Oscars, then you don't know what I'm talking about, but just talking about how the big drop-off there is very noticeable and had me change the channel after about two seconds. But let's go ahead and read some of your submissions here on the podcast, and what better song to put on the background than this one? As Benny Hill gets queued up here, we're going to read the first one from Jamin Stamper. He is a writer at LockedOnDolphins.com, at Stamper Sports, thinking you're getting Drew Brees and getting Dante Culpepper instead. My God, that was rough because that year had so much expectations. Year number two of Nick Saban, that defense playing well in 05, and then the idea that the quarterback was going to be here, Marino's replacement that never really happened the previous five years. They get Culpepper. Excitement is high. He plays four games and everything goes to hell that season. This next one from IV. He is at Royal E4. Joe Robbie compared to everybody else. A great submission there. Noah at Noah's a dork. Orlando Apollo's fanatic. Change that name. Nick Saban to Cam Cameron. Of course, that's a huge downgrade in its own right. The 07 season was as tough as it gets for a Dolphins fan. Josh Houts at Houts. We all know who he is. Check him out on Twitter if you do not already. NFL 2K5 was the last of the series, and now we are stuck playing Madden. I never played the 2K series. I loved Madden growing up. I graduated from video games, I would say, in about 2010. Don't really play them that often. Other than the classics, like Nintendo 64, NBA Hangtime, nobody will beat me and my buddy in NBA Hangtime on the N64. We are the greatest players in the world in that game. I will challenge anybody to a game of that. The next one here comes from Big Rat Thien. I don't know. It's at Big Rat 310. Carlos Dansby and Kevin Burnett. 
to Danell Ellerby and Philip Wheeler. Yeah, and they cut those guys and gave Ellerby and Wheeler big contracts. A great mention there. Good point on that one. Next one here from Clinton Perrette. He is at Clint Perrette. Marino to Fiedler is a no-brainer, but the George Lucas Star Wars to the Disney Lucasfilm Star Wars, specifically Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi, that was not my Luke Skywalker. An excellent point and a fantastic pop culture reference there, Clinton. Well done. Morgan Lewis at Mo underscore Lou 20. Whoever the hell came after Patrick Sertan and Sam Madison, yes, that was like the golden era of my Dolphins fandom was those guys and that defense with JT and Zach Thomas. 100% agree. This next one from Stu Rim at Stu underscore Rim is more recent and more relevant. Laramie Tunzel to Sam Young. Yeah, absolutely. Single-handedly cost the Dolphins the game in Cincinnati this year. 100% agree there. This next one comes from Finsanity. He's at FinsFan3212. Optimus Prime to Rodimus Prime. I don't know what that means, so I'll move on. Next one from Alex Costa at A underscore Costa24. The old to current Fins logo. I disagree. I like the new logo better because he's not wearing his short bus helmet. Like, why did he have to wear a helmet? What was he going to do that he had to wear a helmet? I thought it looked awfully cartoonish. I actually liked the new updated logo better than the previous one. Next one here comes from Derek Pender. He is at Pender underscore Derek. Like Britney Spears going from Justin Timberlake to that backup dancer guy. Her quote-unquote franchise might have fallen harder than the Dolphins after Marino. Fantastic point there. Some early 2000s, late 90s pop music references on that one. Phil Unwin at, fin, uh, at Funwin. What's up, man? It's been a long time since I talked to you. Sean Connery to George Lazenby as James Bond. That's a little bit older than I'm really familiar with, but I take your word for it, Phil. Jose Alberto Lopez at J. Lopez uh, Zuelo. Val Kilmer to George Clooney for Batman. I think a lot of folks would agree with that one. Eric Taylor at Taylor Finns. Barack Obama to Donald Trump. I have a political view. It's not a strong one, but I'm going to save it for the podcast because I don't want to give people the wrong idea, but I think a lot of folks would agree with you on that one, Eric. And then lastly, Neil Bear at Lickumstickum99. It's going to have to be Blue's Clues for me, Travis. I mean, going from Steve to that loser cream puff Joe is like going from Peyton Manning to Brock the small cock Osweiler ellipsis. It just ruins the show. Hey, man, I was a big Blue's Clues fan myself. I don't even remember the change to Joe. I probably grew out of the show, but I think that's a fantastic reference and a terrific way to end this Tuesday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And if you guys aren't doing so already and you have a Bluetooth availability in your car, just tell it to play Locked On Dolphins podcast to pull it up right quick. Also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.